Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Answering the Call, offering a glimpse into the spiritual journeys of local priests, deacons, and religious. And now, Answering the Call with Elizabeth Vicacelli. Hello, and thank you for joining us here on Answering the Call on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 and streaming live on stgabrielradio.com. I'm your host, Elizabeth Vicacelli. Fall in love with Jesus. These words of uh, St. Pope John Paul II have become the theme of my guest's priesthood, a priesthood that has spanned 45 years. His name is Father Dean Mathewson. He is a full-time hospital chaplain and priest-in-residence at St. Thomas the Apostle Parish in Columbus, and we're going to learn about his journey to the priesthood and the growth that he's experienced through this vocation over the decades. So welcome to St. Gabriel uh, answering the call, Father Mathewson. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. That's great that we are here. We finally got you here, Father. Um, (laughs) and, And you know, you're a native of Kenton, Ohio, and you grew up in a rural farming community. So tell us a little bit about the Catholic family you grew up in. Okay, a very strong, faith-filled family. My mom was uh, uh, baptized at probably a month old or something, or maybe sooner than that. Dad was a convert later on, probably 17 years old. Um, but both are very strong in faith. We uh, never missed Mass. Uh, Dad always said that, you know, the best thing he could do as a farmer was to get to Mass and to pray for God's blessing on his crops. So that does much better uh, to produce a good crop than working on Sunday. So he, he really kept holy the Sabbath, and always that was included Mass. And you and your two sisters went to public school growing up? Yes. So that's did. where you received your sacramental preparation, we your did. CCD for Holy Communion and, and Confirmation. And, um, and you were taught I by— was, Franciscans, Franciscan nuns, or for the CCD yes. preparation? Mm-hmm. And they were wonderful. Um, I still remember, and this is many, many, many years ago, uh, just some of the interchanges, some of the teaching, but probably mostly their love for the faith and their love to spread the word. They, they came to our parish from 30 minutes away, came every week to teach, uh, and just very generous, very generous, and love God. Was it one of these sisters, or would be someone else who would, um, for the first time, ask you if you ever thought about the priesthood? No, no, that happened much later in life. That really happened when I was in high school. Uh, I was doing coursework, uh, probably to be a farmer, and uh, the vocational agriculture teacher, uh, we had us do an interest survey, and that interest survey showed that I had some of the gifts and interests that would be good for being a minister. And he just looked at me hard in the interview, uh, talking about that test, and said, Dean, have you ever thought about being a priest? I about fell over. (laughs) Picked myself up off the floor. I had to get oxygen. (laughs) No, I never had. I really had never. And uh, that was the beginning of thinking about it a little bit, although I shoved it back on a shelf, way in the background for a long time after that. Because, as you said, what what you were thinking about doing, and it kind of seems logical, is you wanted to follow your dad into farming. Yes. uh, Because your siblings were sisters, and they weren't particularly interested in that. So um, this is what you were planning to do um, after high school. And we, Uh, dad and I, were very close, and uh, look forward to actually to working together. Yeah. Did you date in high school? I did, very much. Um, And very regularly, and and many different gals. had one that I was dating after high school that I was uh, uh, considering possibly marriage, but just didn't feel like something was right mm-hmm. and struggled with that a lot. 
And looking back, a great gal, but it just wasn't right. That wasn't the right call. So after high school, you did go into farming. You started with your dad. And how was that? Uh, It was fine for a couple weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Not long term, exactly. Uh, The thing I'd look forward to all my life turned out to be just something that was for me. I mean, I don't mean to insult people's way of life, but I'd riding a tractor all day, which is what it ended up being. Uh, was not what I needed for my life. I love people. I love being with people, love interacting with people, and there just were no people. So mm-hmm. very quickly I realized I've made a wrong turn and began to think about, well, what other options do I have? What else might, it, might I be interested in? How did your dad take that? Uh, it was hard. I know it was hard. He was a wonderful man. Yeah, this is a good sign of his holiness. He very quickly said, Dean, whatever is going to make you happy, that's what I want for you. Uh, and I hit the look in his face was very sad. I mm. uh, didn't say that, but the look in his face was very sad. Uh, and a, a hard, a hard change, I know, for him. Because he'd look forward to that. And, absolutely. Yes, exactly. This mm-hmm. was your son and, you know, so it was your dream together. And But that wasn't going to end up being your direction. So did you consider college then? I did. I looked into colleges. uh Research college, had in fact uh, applied to a college. I thought, yeah, I'll I'll go to this college in Kentucky, Berea, Kentucky, and uh, look, a very good college for being a vocational agriculture instructor, teacher. I love teaching, or I loved, I loved several teachers, and like this man had had such a wonderful influence on my life. I thought, wow, I'd like to be able to do that for other young people. So uh, that's what I was pursuing. So what was it then that took your attention from pursuing college to then thinking about the priesthood? Well, see, that's amazing, and that's God. Uh-huh. I, you know, I, I'm a strong believer that when we do just some little thing, God uses that uh, to accomplish great purposes, and, that, and that's hard for us sometimes to imagine. But I think this is a simple, wonderful story about that. I took repentance during that Lent, reading a little book that we had bought from a door-to-door salesman. I didn't even know how I knew we were Catholic, but... Uh, <laughs> And maybe I don't remember, maybe he had other options too. But anyhow, this book. And it actually had a pretty good section on the church, on priesthood. Um, and I just kept looking at that and thinking, wow, I really had not looked at that. I remembered the words of that teacher that I'd had that I respected a lot. I thought, wow, I, I just, I don't, that could be. I don't know. So I went and talked to my pastor. And he was a wonderful man. Didn't know him very well. We just came to church on Sundays and went home and probably never had spoken more than three words to him. But then he took me under his wing immediately and invited me to come to various functions, be involved in things. I was so shy. Mm. You cannot imagine how (laughs) shy. One of the hardest things ever for me in my training in high school was our leadership training things in the VOAG program. They made us do speeches. And reading a written speech was horrendous. But reading or extemporaneously speaking, I sweat. I mean, the floor was wet <laughs> when I finished. It was horrendous. It was horrendous. So the, the idea of this made me very nervous. It made me very nervous. But he, he helped me read, learning to be a reader, and was very good, pretty patient, uh, pushed me a lot um, to speak more clearly. In um, that shyness, you just tend to mutter a little bit, and uh, he tried to help me get past that. Anyhow, just a wonderful man. And then took me to the seminary. Uh, he didn't mess around at all. Took me to meet the rector and the spiritual director there. And 
made those connections for me to and but not pushy. He That's did awesome. a very good job. Looking back, he was excellent. We're talking with uh, Father Dean Mathewson. He's a full-time hospital chaplain and priest in residence at St. Thomas the Apostle Parish in Columbus, and he's our guest today on Answering the Call. So um, was your family surprised by this discernment of yours? You were pretty young. You were 21. Um, so it's a pretty big discernment. Uh, was it a surprise? Was it, was it welcomed? Oh, I think blown away mm. is probably the, the real answer. Uh, my mom was thrilled. Uh, she's a very pious, uh, devoted Catholic and looked at lots well, of honor that my son would be a priest. She immediately, I think, went there in her head. Uh, my dad, on the other hand, again, that was even another degree of separation. It meant that I would be off in college in a way. So he, he was still struggling with all that, but again, expressed happiness that I thought I had found something that I was interested in. So he, I, he was the good dad, even though it was painful. Yeah, yeah. And that really does speak of his holiness, his, his faith in God. Very much. So college seminary for you at that time was St. Charles in Columbus. Um, the years you were there were 64 to 67. Obviously, a lot is going on in the church, you know, just having the Vatican Council going on. So first of all, the, the transition from leaving home and, and, and then going to study and live at this college environment, how was that for you? Was that an easy transition? <laughs> Horribly, horribly hard. You mm. cannot imagine. A farm boy from the country moving into the city all by itself was just horrendous, um, just horrendously hard. And I'm surprised. I did just didn't throw in the towel and go home, call my folks, say, come get me. I'm out of here. Uh, but something kept me there. I suppose that really was the grace of God that I decided I was going to see whether this was my call or not. And whatever it cost, I was going to do it. And so I stuck it through. I had some wonderful teachers. I can't even begin to describe. For the really a hard time in the church, um, so many priests were just undone by Vatican II. They had no idea really where the church was going, didn't understand why it was making decisions it was making. Uh, but I had wonderful, bright people, a lot of priest teachers, and they were fabulous. I can't say it gave me a lot of insights into life. I had a scripture uh, teacher, scholar, uh, Father Waltz, oh my gosh, I, I can't, he was just fabulous, uh, just wonderful. You know, we've had a lot of guests uh, on the program who, like you, were either in seminary or their early priesthood during those years. And like you said, it was a time of confusion. No one knew exactly where the church was going. So we've, we've talked about that many times on the program. And, you know, as you say, priests were leaving. I mean, that was just something going on uh, in the nation. Uh, and, and, you know, yet you were here and, and first of all, working through the homesickness thing is one thing. I mean, you, and you work through that. Um, but <clears throat> did you have any kind of faith crisis in, in all of it with all that turbulence going on, uh, in those first years of, of college seminary? I did, but it, that was at least brought on by the death of my father. We were again uh. so close. And then for him to die, uh, in that first year of college was just very, very hard. Uh, and it eventually, gradually, threw me really into doubts about God. One of the things that was hard for me is we were studying a lot of history of the church and all the problems the church had been through, scandals, you know, many years ago. Uh, and to look at that, I never hit, I knew, didn't know about those things. And so they were hitting me pretty hard, making me wonder. I thought, how can a good God have let my God, my dad die and leave behind a little daughter that was like five or six at that time? Uh, 
I really struggled hard with the question. I thought, well, he must not really either must not be a good God or he must not exist. That's where I ended up going. And I think this is so funny to be going to that place in seminary. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But the fun thing was the spiritual director was very good. He said, oh, just, just cool your jets. Um, give this some time. Uh, you can discern that here. We'll be glad to support you and help you as you figure that out. Wow. So with all of that on your plate, you did make it through those four years. And, and you did, at the end of those four years, despite everything still going on around you in the church, we're like, no, this is where I'm going. This is where I'm headed. So then the next four years would take you to the Josephinum for your theology studies. Um, you know, still a very confusing time, turbulence. Uh, how were you able to manage keeping your vocation intact during those four years with everything else going on in the world? Well, I love to learn. And uh, I love to read and so uh, it was really a time of uh, intellectual growth and understanding of the church. But I also became very heavily involved in pastoral work. Um, I was teaching CCD or PSR uh, in three parishes while I was in, in theology there. Uh, the last year I got a uh, basically a CPE uh, degree from prison that I worked in, took training to do that. Uh, I love the line from the scripture where Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And says, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And I've always taken that very literally, that God if he wants us to show our love for him by that pastoral work that we do. Uh, so I've always had a wonderful heart for that. I, uh, it, it is a thing that constantly motivates me. It's not a thing that that lets you just like get tired or just, I don't know, it, it constantly motivates me without having to try to be motivated. It just motivates me. Yeah. And the, and the sheep need to be fed. They need to be led all through. We see all through history, even to our day, you know, we still need that, that shepherding. So you were ordained. That was 45 years ago. Is that, is that hard to believe? 45 years. Very hard to believe. That's, a, that's a lifetime. Um, and you've served at many, many places as pastor, as teacher, as hospital chaplain. So I'm going to give our listeners a snapshot of where you've been, then we'll kind of break it down a little bit more. But um, as a deacon, you served at St. Mary's, Delaware, and St. Michael's in Worthington. Um, you were doing some prison ministry, as, as you said, uh, early in your priesthood. Uh, then you had roles as pastor at St. Matthias, uh, St. Mary's in Chillicothe, St. Joseph LaRue, uh, which is closed now, a small parish, uh, St. Francis de Sales in Newark, um, and then St. Brendan's in Hilliard. Uh, you were a teacher, uh, which is, was one of your aspirations, and God honored that. You taught at Marian Catholic, you taught at Bishop Waterson High School, uh, St. Francis de Sales High School, Bishop Flaget down in uh, Chillicothe. And then hospital chaplain, which is what you're doing now full time uh, while you're uh, while you were at part time at St. Brendan's first, and now uh, while you're in residence at St. Thomas the Apostle, uh, the chaplaincy, hospital chaplaincy, is what you're doing full time. So a lot of years and a lot of service in various ways. So talk now about this this personal growth. Um, you know that quote that we started the show with. You know, fall in love with Jesus. You. You personally experienced tremendous growth from the time you were a seminary to the time you are now, a priest of 45 years. Let us in on a little bit on that growth. Okay. Uh, seminary aims particularly <clears throat> excuse me, at helping a person understand the theology of the church, the teaching of the church, even understanding like uh, the history of the scriptures, the situations where they were written, um, 
And I love have my mind tickled, I guess is a way to say that. I, I love learning. And so I was very caught up in that and enjoyed that tremendously because, again, I had wonderful professors. And what I ended up with, though, was what I would call an intellectual commitment to God, an intellectual commitment to the faith that made sense, you know, as I studied and, and researched and tore apart and struggled with. It made sense to my head. But that wasn't enough. I mean, that wasn't, I, somewhere along the line, I knew that that was not my call, was not just to know about God. The call really is to know God, uh, and that comes up several places in the Scripture. Uh, and you know what Jesus' command is not learn lots of things about God. This is very hard, I think, for people today. Don't, it's, that's not the command. He says love God. So how do we love God? How do we grow in that? How do we make progress in that in our lives? Well, as usual, God blessed me, has blessed me all of my life with wonderful people that have been so instrumental in helping with that growth. growth. Uh, I've been surrounded uh, in those years when I was looking for that particularly, surrounded with priests, nuns, and laity uh, that had a wonderful knowing of God themselves. And so they were able to help me to keep that as the thing I was striving for. And I think so many people think of prayer as kind of like the end in itself, or the sacraments are an end in themselves, but they're to lead us to God and to that knowing him. Uh, and they help me stay focused on that. But, you know, ultimately it really is God that accomplishes that in his grace that really, and the Holy Spirit that really helps to make that happen. Probably the biggest enemy, I think, of that growth, and, and God had to beat me around a little bit, um, uh, is pride. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's the thing that really gets in our way of any real relationship with God. With, with Dad's death, it was like, again, God, why are you, what are you thinking? You know, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> you're making no sense here. Mm -hmm. And somewhere along the line, he had to show me I'm not God. I'm not the one who runs the world. I'm not the one who has the right to make those decisions, that he's God. And my call is to trust him. But you have to know him to trust him. And I would say again, the people, the community, but also reading the scriptures, I love the word. So much of the time we end up just, I don't know, looking at the storyline. We don't really have, try to let Jesus speak to us. And that's what the scripture is about. Jesus wants to speak to us, to help us know who he is. And so reflecting on the scripture, digging into the scripture, is a wonderful way to accomplish that. A wonderful way to accomplish that. The other piece that's wonderful is I love the chapels at uh, those seminaries. Uh, they were almost always quiet places that you could go to reflect and to pray, and in the presence of Jesus. That was mm -hmm. Not a time Eucharistic adoration was at all popular or even done, I think, any place. Um, but you were still in the presence of the Lord in the chapel. Yeah. And a wonderful place to think and to pray and to work on those issues, those questions. And some good progress there. But I have to say, you know, a lot of that, that growth has happened since seminary, after ordination. Praying the Mass is a wonderful event for me, not only, I hope, for the people of God, but for me, every time I pray the Mass, uh, 
stresses are relieved. I have new insights into the goodness of God. I love preparing my homilies. It's almost as exciting for me to prepare the homilies that is to give them. I love to preach. Um, There's just so many ways that God has worked in my life and then provided wonderful people for me to interact with and continue that growth. I love the idea that every day, every day, there's something new. I learn something new. I'm 74. Mm-hmm. And you think at 74, I would know everything. Right? <laughs> but when I think that, then I know I'm really off base. I'm really <laughs> off base. I've really goofed up. So, I love the idea. I love, excuse me, one more thing. I love the idea. I love Mary, the Blessed Virgin Mary. And I love the idea that all of her life, in all of her greatness, she always pointed to God and saw him as the one she was to give glory to by her life. It wasn't about her, but about giving him glory. And it's so easy, I think, as a priest, as a layperson, to get off track yeah. and to make life, priesthood, whatever vocation, being a parent, about oneself. Yeah, yeah. she is. She's an amazing uh, role model for that. I want to talk a little bit about your hospital chaplaincy, since that is really now what you're doing full-time. Yes. Uh, in addition, like I said before, you were pastor, your teacher, but hospital chaplaincy. And, and I'm sure the love for God uh, that you were just talking so beautifully about, you know, really plays out uh, in your work as a hospital chaplain, you know, because people are in obviously very serious situations in hospitals, facing death, facing suffering. So kind of talk about that work you do now. What What is it that you you love about being a hospital chaplain? I have a strong sense of owing people who have been Catholics all their lives that they would have a priest with them at the end of their life to help them. Uh, I just feel like it's my duty. Uh, That's not like a a nice thing for me to do. It's really my duty to be there to help them. But, you know, the thing that's funny that I think a lot of people don't get is that when you're doing the thing that God asks you to do, you have a real sense in yourself of being fulfilled, that you have purpose in your life, so that as I go to minister to those folks, uh, my experience, I go home every night dragging myself uh, up the stairs into my room and exhausted, but I always feel like, wow, it was a good day. It was a good day. I was able to help some people who really were struggling. It was a good day. And not everyone you're dealing with, obviously, is a lifelong practicing Catholic. Oh, no. You know, and then you have the families of those people. So you have a real opportunity to to bring God's love to all these different people in, in this very difficult time they're going through. Oh, yes. Uh, the, actually, the majority of folks that I'm helping, working with, are, are people who have gone away from the faith, away from well, away from the church, Many have stayed strong in faith, but they've gone away from the church. Uh, One of the things I love to do is to help them reconnect to the church. They really want that. Often at the end of life, you know, people are looking at, oh my gosh, I'm in trouble here. I haven't been doing very well. The Lord is not going to be very happy. And so they want want that reconnecting. And I, I, I love desire and desire to be available to them, to help them. And you yourself, you've been through your own suffering. You've been through illness, and and that probably makes you uh, empathetic to what they're going through. Yes, the Lord again has prepared me. I had a horrible car accident and a very, very hard recovery, which was uh, wonderfully beneficial to me in terms of growth, personal growth and holiness, uh, relationship with God. 
but it also gives me, lets me walk into hospital rooms and be comfortable with nurses and doctors or whatever is going on and understand where the patient's coming from. It was a blessing in the long run. Do you God miss, plans ahead. Do you miss not having a parish? I do. On holidays particularly, I'm very sad because I don't have a people in front of me that I'm working with regularly, uh, and I miss that a lot. But I look at the people in the hospital as my parish, uh, mm-hmm. as the people God has called me to serve and to help in that journey. But I don't have some of the benefits that you have as a pastor in a parish. You know, after, after having done that for a long time, I, I know what those benefits are. So I have to look for other places to find that. In a way, you're kind of like a missionary, aren't you? I am like a missionary. That was kind of my initial call, I think. And I've lived it in some funny ways. <laughs> <laughs> so in addition, like you said, you're 74. You technically retired four years ago, but you really have no intention of retiring. No. Uh, still full-time chaplain uh, at the hospitals. And you also serve Bethesda Healing Ministry. I do. And what do you do for them? Uh, we meet a couple times a month trying to help people who've had abortions to heal. Uh, it's, it's, in a way, similar to the hospitals. It's all about healing, uh, receiving the Lord's healing, his mercy, his love. Uh, people who have made that choice to have an abortion uh, don't feel it's possible even for God to love them. And I enjoy helping them to know uh, that he does and desires to forgive them and wants them to receive the forgiveness that he has for them. So many ways that you're bringing God's love to people, encouraging them to fall in love with Jesus. Um, our last minute together, what advice would you have for a man considering priesthood today? Well, fall in love with Jesus. <laughs> what do you call that? You go full circle? Um, I, I think, you know, uh, learn to love the Scripture. You know, can I mention the name of a book that's helpful? Mm-hmm. Uh, Word Among Us is very good. Magnificat's yeah. a little harder, I think, but it's also deeper. Um, both are good things. Uh, Time with the Eucharist, uh, adoration formally, or just in a parish with the tabernacle, uh, and and seek Him. Uh, the little effort that I made uh, has brought me, I mean, wondrous, uh, good things in my life. Make that little effort, and He will respond the same way with you. He wants you to know your vocation. Oh, beautiful words! Thank you so much for your gift of forty-five years of priesthood, Father uh, Matthewson. Can you leave us with your blessing? I can. Lord, we are so grateful to you for your goodness and for your love for us and, and for your presence in our midst. We thank you for the vocation that you give to each of us, that you call the call that you give to each of us. We ask that you would sustain us and help us with your Holy Spirit to live that vocation well. Help us to appreciate, uh, to love the work you give us to do. and Help us to make the sacrifices that are part of our vocation uh, easily and uh, without looking back missing other blessings that we might have in our lives. We make our prayer in Jesus' name. May God bless us all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. This is Elizabeth Ficicelli. I join us Tuesdays and Sundays, 1230, for another edition of Answering the Call. God bless. Answering the Call is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, AM820. Archives of Answering the Call with Elizabeth Ficacelli are available at stgabrielradio.com.